0: We're standing in front of the History Museum in Alatu Square in Bishkek. There's a tall steeple in the middle of the square. It's so tall that if you're standing close to it, you have to lean your head back a little bit in order to see the statue of a man on a horse. There's often birds sitting on him. This is Manas. The Manas epic is one of the largest collections of spoken poems in the world. It's 20 times longer than Homer's Odyssey and the Iliad combined. It's Kyrgyzstan's most significant cultural treasure. But if you came to Bishkek just 21 years ago, you wouldn't find the statue of Manas here. Lenin would be standing here in the place of Manas. Picture this, it's the 19th century. The traditional yurt meets the Russian dacha. And Kyrgyzstan is conquered by Tsarist Russian forces. Then comes the Soviet era. Kyrgyzstan joins the Soviet Union. For decades, Soviet rule leaves a massive imprint on Kyrgyz society. After the fall of the Soviet Union in 1991, Kyrgyzstan gains independence. No longer under the umbrella of Lenin's communist regime and has to rebuild the very fabric of its identity. The name was officially changed from the Soviet Kyrgyzia to the Kyrgyz Republic. The capital city of Frunze was renamed Bishkek. You're listening to The Bishkek Diaries. I'm Zonre Reid. Today we're exploring the hot topic of colonization in Kyrgyzstan. I asked my friend Ilyas to meet me here under the Mana statue.
1: So we can start here, actually. This is a monument that we actually have to talk about. Uh, here we have a statue of the Manas, the national hero.
0: He's Kyrgyz, 24 years old, and studying yeah, anthropology.
1: Yeah. We often has been, have been not the majority in our country. Wait, what do you mean by that? When we left the Soviet Union, half of the country were not Kyrgyz. And even today, uh, we are in our historical maximum of 70%. And uh, we have rarely been troubled by that fact, because we never really saw them as foreigners. So you didn't see Russians as foreigners? Yes we never really saw these people as foreigners. We knew that they are Russian, that they are Ukrainian, whomever they are ethnically, Christian, yes, Mm -hmm. but not foreign. foreign. I don't understand how that's possible. Like, how they are foreign? If we speak one language, we eat one food, we go to one kindergarten, we go to one school and work at one place. How we can possibly be foreign? I guess for me,
0: it's really strange because as a South African, I come from a country that is that has very little unity. Right. Uh everyone is very aware of race. Yes, right? South Africa is still to this day a very racially charged environment. Yes. And here in in Bishkek, I'm I'm amazed that there isn't the I mean I, I don't know if I'm being naive. Ethnically Kyrgyz people look different than ethnically Russian
1: people. (laughs) You have to understand that there was discrimination, there was prioritization of uh, A, uh, I guess, Russians, B, Slavs, C, Russian speakers, but has been uh, barely formal. You wouldn't really find the documented prioritizations. Hmm. Uh, If you want to live in Bishkek, have your own apartment, uh, uh, have a car, a fancy job. You didn't necessarily have to be Russian, but you had to be Russian-speaking, educated, which usually been more accessible to Russians, I would guess. So, so that in <laughs> that sense, of course, there is a discrimination. But you also have to understand that in this game, if you can, if you can put it so we have been in not very comfortable position to compete with, right? Opera, ballet, philharmonia, all of this came with Russians. Of course, there has been idea that Russians are our elder brothers mm-hmm. and it's interpreted in so many different ways. And obviously there has been discrimination and superiority to some extent, but it also has been a great deal of development there was not a discrimination for the sake of keeping us undeveloped uh, keeping mm, us low yeah. but a discrimination as a consequence negative consequence of understanding that we are so undeveloped and trying to uplift but isn't that very
0: i mean in today's age if you if you take a class on i don't know social development this is like this idea that, you know, the, the white man comes in and kind of like as the developer yes. and let me develop you, yes. you poor indigenous tribes and yes. let me show you how it's done. And I'll introduce you to, I don't know, like ballet and, yes. and, and musical theater yes. and literature and all this. Yes. Like, isn't this, I mean, in today's context, of course, this is like a crime, <laughs> but you're making it sound like it's something to be grateful for
1: of course 100 percent. it was no one have asked us whether you want to dance ballet it has been just okay let's dance it it's not been like okay do you want to build the opera theater they just built it of course but probably in i don't know and here uh, it uh, the difference is that we do not see it in the colonial context see that okay that right there we do not see, like we cannot be decolonized because we don't feel that we were colonized that is the fundamental uh, absence of this precondition for decolonization because you cannot get treatment if you don't feel sick when
0: the soviet union collapsed yes it was kind of like like as far as what i know like other central asian countries immediately got rid of lenin statue yes but in Bishkek, it's uh, you sort of held on to it till I think yes. 2003. <gasps> yes, it was it was here till 2003 yes. in Alatyr. Square. Here. it was right here. No, no,
1: in in the place of uh, Manas. in the place of Manas. Yes, Manas has never been here. It's oh, a wow. very yesterday invention. And uh, ironically, what did we do to Lenin? Because we didn't feel like throwing it away. We put it behind. Lenin is behind the Historic Museum. It was in front, but now it's behind.
0: I'm a white South African. That means that I'm the direct descendants of Dutch and British colonizers. Apartheid is an era of racial segregation and racist white elitism in South Africa. I can't help but wonder, if Soviet colonization is different from European colonization. I visited a class by an assistant professor who teaches languages through literature and film.
2: Well, for starters, we're still using the the Soviet infrastructure, most of the roads. You know, we have a lot of apartment blocks Mm -hmm. built in the Soviet era, and the mentality that, you know, uh, uh, education for all, uh, healthcare for all, Mm -hmm it's still there, it still works. So the Soviets didn't separate, unlike apartheid. They didn't separate, they didn't build the, the country or the city with the, the thinking of the Russians are separate and the locals are separate. There was no such thing. And to this day, I think a lot of people will agree, and this is not to justify the atrocities of the Tsarist Russia, whatever happened on the mountain, right? No way, you know. Blood spilt, blood spilt and and to be remembered. But even when we talk to our Afghan students, they say we still have the roads, the bridges and the schools built by the Soviets in Afghanistan. Look what the Americans left. Big holes in the ground with their mother bombs, for example. Yeah, so there's a huge difference. I know when people apply colonization to the Soviet Union, I can understand, but it's It's light years away from European colonization. All of the educated, still the generation that lived under the Soviet Union, with all its merits and demerits.
3: I was born here, and uh, I grew up here. I don't speak Kyrgyz, unfortunately. Uh, It's already more than 40 years. Anna
0: Shaikovskaya is from a city called Osh in the south of Kyrgyzstan. She shares uh, her experience of growing up as an ethnically Russian person uh, living in Kyrgyzstan uh, during the Soviet Union.
3: We were growing up in those times when the USSR, like, we we were, uh, they were Kyrgyz, Russian, uh, Uzbek, Tajik, different people were growing up together and we were speaking only Russian to each other, at school, out of school, everywhere, only Russian. And we never thought of uh, speaking any other languages or that we we were not uh, discriminating. Uh, We were all friends. We were always supporting each other. And when it happened after even uh, uh, the destruction of the USSR, uh, we still remain friends and we still communicate and uh, we still, yeah. uh, Kyrgyz people uh, started using Kyrgyz, they started developing their own, their own language uh, and uh, we had some difficulty with that because, uh, well, uh, we had to sometimes, we had to learn, um, for example, um, Kyrgyz um, anthem, we were made to, there is, there is no like, discrimination at all, I don't feel it that much. My, still, my friends are still my friends, uh, yes, I think that Kyrgyz people should work on their ethnicity because they need to keep their culture, traditions and so on, but uh, anyway, I don't think this is colonization, they, the US, at USSR times everything was different and they were really helping, I don't know, we still regret that USSR was destroyed because at at, uh, those times we we were all friends. We could easily travel from Kyrgyzstan to Uzbekistan, from Uzbekistan to Russia, from Russia to Tajikistan, no borders at all. And now it's uh, different.
0: I decided to get out of Bishkek for the weekend. We're camping on the shore of Kul Lake with my friend Merim and Hannah. It's already getting quite dark. We have a small gas stove, two tents, and we just finished eating some noodles on the beach. The stars are just about to come out. Hannah is German, from Wurzburg. Merim is Kyrgyz, 27 years old, and grew up in the Talas region of Kyrgyzstan. But Miriam, I don't hear a lot of people like your age mm-hmm. speak like this about Russia. I no. I hear a lot of tolerance towards Russia.
4: Uh, no, I wouldn't say that. I, for example, for the people, uh, they are from the big cities. Uh, my age, they are really. N- I wouldn't say they are really tolerated with that. And for example, my friends, they are also uh, trying to make some decolonization stuff. They are trying to learn Kyrgyz language and etc. and not to use Russian. I'm also a product of colonization. I didn't know Kyrgyz language at all. Yes, for example, for 10 years I couldn't say a single, a single words in Kyrgyz. That was really problemi- problematic. And, for example, my mother, she was really worried about this whole situation. She is really patriotic, and she was like, no, you should learn that. Mm. That's why she she told me to get into the Manas University, this Kyrgyz Turkish University, and there I learned Kyrgyz language. And that was really, <laughs> that was really difficult <laughs> sure. to learn my mother's language, you know. <laughs> I'm not against the Russian language. I'm just against the stuff that they uh, are making Russian language more important than Kyrgyz language. Yeah, and uh, sometimes there's uh, some commenta- uh, some comments uh, on Facebook pages make me so angry. I would say they, but you know, they didn't realize they make a lot of jokes that we are not uh, accepting this Kyrgyzstan, for example, 20 years, more than 20 years, we are independent republic. And please, we, in the Constitution it's written, clearly written, as we call Kyrgyz Republic, Kyrgyzka Republica, Kyrgyzstan or Kyrgyzstan. Mm-hmm. And they're like, Kyrgyz, 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 One of my friends, he made a Telegram bot uh, and he implemented it into the Russian chats. And where the writing, for example, Kyrgyzia automatically will be corrected by the spot. There's no such a land like like Kyrgyzia. There's only like Kyrgyzstan. Oh, that's
0: freaking amazing. Yes.
4: And the Russian was like, ha, (laughs) that was fun.
0: (laughs) Another coder by the name of Ilya from Moscow took it even further. In his version, if you write Kyrgyzia in Telegram, the bot will automatically send you an advertisement of a flight from Kyrgyzstan back to Russia. A joke of the best kind.
4: In our country, the Russia television, for example, the first channel, it's really popular among the among the society I would guess. Here. Yes, here. For example, my father, he loves Russia. He's was really he's really fan of Russia. And I guess why, because uh, in the Soviet Union time, he was one of the, he, uh, his family was one of the, one of the privileged families in the Soviet Union. And that's why he he didn't feel, uh, he, did, he didn't feel that stuff that the all uh, Soviet Union people st- mm. felt, you know. Mm. And he did have another experience, mm. and that's why I don't think that his opinion is really... Um, Relevant, yes, mm. in this point.
0: Right.
4: And uh, for him, for example, Soviet Union, Russia, Putin is uh, the best part of his life, for sure.
0: I'm speaking to Aigarim. It's not her real name. She's 21 years old, half Kyrgyz and half Kazakh but grew up in Bishkek. She tells me that as a child, she often felt shamed by Kyrgyz relatives and even teachers for not knowing words in Kyrgyz. She says she felt rejected by the language in a way that made her think, maybe I don't need this language. And she decided to learn English instead. So now when you, when you think about your identity, do you think of yourself more of a citizen of the world?
5: It's also complex. I don't believe in this thing like the global citizen or a member of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, like no offense, mm-hmm. I don't want to hurt you uh, in any sense, but um, it's a kind of white thing because white people usually have privilege to say sh- such a thing. They uh, call us the whole, <laughs> the whole like two thirds of the world, so they can be global citizens because they will go this and there, everywhere is uh, like English, like. I don't know, functioning, Mm -hmm. so like a lot of Kurdish people know English. So even though we're not in America and we are quite far from America. So, um, well, I I want to believe that someday we people unite and (coughs) everything will be fine, there is no anger, hate or other things, that there is just love and just uh, inner respect Mm -hmm. among people. So this is what I would like to see in this world, of course, and uh, if this community will exist, of course, I will be. I will become the member of this community.
0: We're back at the Mana statue in Alatu Square in Bishkek with Ilyas. I must stress that most of the country of Kyrgyzstan does speak Kyrgyz, but Russian is still seen as the language of prestige and education.
1: Russian is not a property of Russians, it's not property of Putin. Uh, I speak Russian, I, 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 it's my first language, just like Kyrgyz is my first language. And there are people in Kyrgyzstan, and a friend of mine from anthropology department wrote a senior thesis on uh, the discrimination of monolinguals in Kyrgyzstan. If you speak only Kyrgyz or if you speak only Russian, you are discriminated all the time by the bilinguals because it's such a country of bilinguals Mm -hmm. and for the Russian speakers they say they are not uh, uh, they don't they don't respect their roots for the only Kyrgyz speakers they are not educated enough and etc. all of the things.
0: Altanai Kudaberganova is the head of the visitor department at the Kyrgyz National Museum of Fine Arts. She tells me that the main mode of promoting Kyrgyz is through language shaming, and that the language needs a little bit of a PR campaign.
6: It's, it won't, the problem won't just go away by shaming people into learning the language. Uh, yes, there is an obligation uh, to speak the language of the land where you live, where you live, uh, but it's for the better of the language so that to make it desirable, to make it popular, to make people want to learn it, to invest into culture specifically, music, like all kinds of arts, poetry, literature, because we don't, we don't see any modern literature, like the literature of independent Kyrgyzstan, and it is a, like it is a Russian language website that promotes modern Kyrgyzstan literature, actually. So, it's a lot of language promotion now is about language shaming on governmental level, like on the parliament level, Uh, and there are people here, a lot of people who love the country, who work for the better of it, who are investing so much into it and who are very passionate about but they just don't speak the language for many reasons Mm -hmm. Um, and it would be a shame to just like chase them out of the country by saying you either learn it or we just kick you out and we don't hire you and that's it Of course the law is necessary, Kyrgyz does need to be the only official language in the country, but you need to do preparation for it and to um, offer some assistance for people who need to learn it, who want to learn it and not just shame them. And like, we've told you years ago, and it's 30 years now that we've been independent. So you should have done this and you should have done that. Uh, Saying that is just devaluing those people who have skills, who can help um, tourism and everything else develop.
0: I'm walking down the street Close to Vefa Center, there's often someone busking with loud distorted speakers in front of the shopping center. A woman walks by and gives her four-year-old child 20 som. The four-year-old is waddling towards the singer and throws it into what looks like a gym bag. The singer is clearly ethnically Russian, born and raised in Bishkek. And he's singing a popular song in Kyrgyz. You've been listening to The Bishkek Diaries. I'd be happy if you were to consider giving us a follow on Instagram. Just search thebishkek.diaries. You can also check out our website at thebishkekdiaries.com. And of course, find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. You can look forward to a new episode of The Bishkek Diaries every month on the 25th. I'm Zanre Reid.